Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here, alongside my partner on the airways. As always, I'm joined by Sarah Jones of Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Nino. How are you? I'm doing all right. Got to tell you, I'm excited to talk today a little bit about credit scores. Um, hmm. I I think it's a hot topic amongst people who like to consume uh, podcasts and other media about personal finances. Um, I have an analogy that I want to kind of just put out as a framework. Okay. Credit scores to me, it's it's it, it's a game. It is a game. There's and there there are points involved, right? And so you want to score a high uh, a high point. Uh, you want to get a high point total. Then you need to know how to play the game. And just like Las Vegas, if you're going to go to Vegas and you're going to put money in a machine or you're going to sit down to a table, you better know the game you're playing and all of its rules before you start playing. Because the house. The house it is almost guaranteed to win every time. That doesn't mean you can't find some success, but we'll get to that. Um, you know, I think the other thing I want to say here off the top is many of our listeners might hear other gurus tell you that a credit score is not important, that you don't need credit. And I'm here to tell you that uh, we live in the real world. So I want to have a real conversation because there are real life consequences for people. Sometimes it's employment consequences, whether or not you can get a job, whether that's government employment, private employment. Uh, there's real, real, real world consequences uh, when it comes to things like auto insurance. So your credit score is important. It's not the end all be all and we should not bow to it, but we should know how to play the game. We should know how we can score um, hi. So I want to have a real world conversation about how to really use credit wisely. But before I jump into that, I have a question for you, Sarah. And that Ooh. is, all right. Do you subscribe to this idea that you don't need a credit score and that you can throw all of your credit score worries to the wind? I do not subscribe to that theory. I suspected maybe not, but I really didn't know the answer to the question. So um, please elaborate. I think you kind of hit it on the head a minute ago that, <clears throat> you know, even if we are paying cash for 90% of our things, right? I can go and pay cash for my car insurance, but they're still basing my premium on my credit score. So even though That's I'm right. paying cash for that, they're still basing my premium. I don't get a discount for paying in cash. Um, so it's based off the, the credit score. Um, I believe, you know, and we're going to bring in credit cards into this, but um, I believe it's a tool. You know, your credit score, it's a tool to use, right? And again, we want to make sure that in our toolbox that we've got all the necessary information that we're using the right tool for the right um, problem, the right, you know, the, the right action, the right event. Mm -hmm. And I do not believe um, 
that you do not need a credit score. Um, you can get around some things by not having one, but gosh darn, you know, can I just say sometimes life is hard enough and trying to jump through a bunch of hoops when you don't have one. Do we really want to do that when we can build one? We, because we know the rules, right? We're, we know this is a game that we got to play and we know the rules. So why would we want to work so much, frankly, so much harder to try and jump through the hoops and not play the game to try and get around it when we just jump in and play the game and focus on something else that takes more of our time? That's kind of yeah. the way I see it. <laughs> you made me think of the old adage, uh, work, or in this case, play smarter not mm -hmm. harder. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to play smart, like we said, maybe we should understand the rules of the game. And then when we understand the rules of the game, let's use a little bit of our intellect and a little bit of our discipline so that we don't get ourselves in trouble. Because mm -hmm. if, if you go into this game with the wrong mindset, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. You can yeah. borrow up to your ears um, trying to improve your credit score, and you can get yourself into a place where you're just completely over-leveraged, and, and it, you can suffocate yourself financially, mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll, be under, you'll be buried under stress. So are there some real financial dangers to playing this game? Certainly there are. But instead of just completely avoiding something, mm -hmm. I'd much rather take the time, get educated, and then apply a little bit of discipline with that education to the situation so that I can participate. I'll be the first to tell you, if I didn't have to participate in society at all and I could just kind of <laughs> unplug and just go away and like I, I never had to worry about money again, I just grew my own food and all that stuff, I'd be the first one to sign up for it. But unfortunately, yes. today, I have to I have to engage with society as it mm -hmm. exists. And part of that, unfortunately, means playing the game to, to get a good credit score. And yes. as somebody who started off with a really, really bad credit score in my early 20s because I made all of the stupid mistakes, mm -hmm. I have long since learned from those mistakes. And now, you know, I have a great credit score that allows me all of the benefits of a great credit score. And I think that's part of this is as we, as we start to unpack some of the rules, it's also nice to know, like, what are some of the benefits mm -hmm. and, and, and really understanding how those, like, I was going to say how those benefits benefit you, but <laughs> that's redundant. It's but like why is that important or like what can you do that you can't do when you have a nice good strong credit score? Sure. You know, and I'll just throw in that, you know, when you're talking about taking the time to educate yourself, right? Before you go in, learning how the game is played, learning the rules, right? That allows you to not only have the information, but also to put a plan in place again so you can utilize it. So you have a better idea of what do you need to do then to make this work to your benefit, right? Because you've got some real accountability with this, 
right? You, you said, you know, discipline. I think it's discipline and accountability and having that plan down. How am I going to use this to benefit me? And where am I building those boundaries, right? Where am I putting the parameters in? What am I willing and what am I not willing to do here? Um, mm -hmm. What is my plan? What does my budget allow? You know, where can I utilize this? All those things that, you know, we can go into, but um, just allowing yourself the education, but also the time to then plan it. How are you going to use this in a way that works for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you bring us back to one of our core principles and one of our core <laughs> principles here at New Money Habits is that you have a plan. Now, oftentimes that plan is the budget, but we talk about planning for everything. Mm -hmm. And so have a plan for how you're going to utilize credit. Um, we have had conversations in the past about when is it wise and when is it unwise to use a credit card? And you can mm -hmm. kind of go for any of our listeners who are, who really want to hear that back. You can hear us really dive into um, the idea of using credit card for short term purchases versus long term purchases. So if you were about to go and furnish your house with a brand new couch and love seat and television set, I wouldn't tell you to use a credit card because if you're not going to pay that off right away, you're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to get charged a bunch of interest and that's bad. And so um, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. That's what we discussed in the past. But so I circle back to the point that have a plan. If you're going to have mm -hmm. a credit card or two or whatever, have a plan for what expenses do you use a credit card for? And one of the things that we said even back then was I remember I had gotten rid of all of my credit cards and then I wanted to have a credit card again when I started traveling for work and they wanted mm -hmm. me to pay for all of my expenses up front and they were going to reimburse me. Well, there was no way on God's green earth that I was going to have all of that money coming out of my checking account and making mm -hmm. me cash flow poor. So I got a credit card and I knew what I was using it for. I was using it for short-term purchases for travel that was going to be reimbursed within two pay periods. So within a month so that, and again, I don't want to go necessarily down that rabbit hole, but mm -hmm. it's just an illustration of having a plan for the mm -hmm. type of credit you're going to use. And that's just one example. Sure. And, you know, and I think I've mentioned before, um, you know, my husband and I have a credit card. Um, <clears throat> we don't use it very often. Our main purpose that, that we use it for is when we were taking vacations. Now, quite frankly, with being full timers, you know, we're going to have to adjust the way we, we use it probably because we're not really, I mean, maybe, maybe our life is a full-time vacation, right? And I'm not willing to put everything on it, I, it because that, that doesn't work for us. But we saved up for vacation in the past and then used the card, the credit card while we were on vacation. So when we got home, all I had to do is take out of the vacation sinking fund, right? And make the payment and pay the credit card off. So no interest, no, no other worries. We had the money saved. So we knew what we were spending. We used it for security purposes. And I've shared that before. And, um, but that again, just shows the way you're using a tool to your advantage, right? Absolutely. And to really benefit you. So, yep. I will so, say, you know, I, I don't know if you, want to bring this up yet, but I'm going to just jump right in here. I will say though, I personally do not believe in having gazillions of cards. I just, I personally don't find that it's necessary. Um, 
especially if you are allowing that temptation, if you're not great with shopping or impulse buys and having that available, especially if you haven't built the discipline, I think that there's a way that we can get to a happy medium and use it as a tool. And I don't believe that 14 store cards are a tool for us to use in any scenario. So I'm just going to throw that out there that I don't subscribe to a bunch, but I, I do believe that um, having one or two isn't a bad thing. Yeah. And, and this is another great example of when we get on and we have these conversations, because I think we have um, complementary, sometimes opposing, but I think they also complement each other uh, perspectives. So while I would agree that I, I wouldn't, once upon a time I had 13 cards and that was a wow. mixture of store cards and, and, and regular mm -hmm. charge cards. While I would agree that I didn't need 13 and I don't need 13 today, and so I don't have 13 today, mm -hmm. um, I think it goes back to having a plan for certain things. So mm. um, bear with me for a moment sure. as I give a couple of examples. So there's a regular credit card for things like travel, um, whether I'm traveling for work or to your point, I like also when I've already budgeted for a trip, I like using a credit card for the mm -hmm. kind of the protection of Nobody has access to my money. They have access to the bank's money. And then I just pay the bill at, at the end, but I've already budgeted mm -hmm. for it. But then um, when I when I closed out 13 cards, that included like a jewelry store card. I do mm -hmm. not have a jewelry store card today because to your point, there's no need for that. If I'm going to buy mm -hmm. jewelry for the missus, I'm going to plan for that and I'm going to purchase mm -hmm. that that way um back in the day it included um uh, charge cards to department stores like clothing mm -hmm. stores and again clothing is now something that i'm much better at budgeting for and so i just pay for clothes as i need clothes and i'm not worried about the 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 pesky or not pesky that's not the word i'm looking for but anyway the 10 percent off that you can get if you have the store's charge card and right I don't care. I'll pay the extra 10% not to have the temptation, as you put it. Yeah. But now what I have done over the last couple of uh, years is um, I have an older car that often does need repairs. So mm. I have one of those car care credit cards that oh. offers 12 months, same as cash when... Interesting. Um, when you spend over a certain dollar amount. So while I have an emergency fund mm. and I even have like an auto care fund, if I get to a place where I have a repair that's let's say over $3,000 because between the emergency fund and, and, and that, that car care, it's usually about $3,000 allocated for repairs, mm -hmm. but let's say it's 3,500 and it's like, well, mm -hmm. where's that other 500 coming from? Or when I had to replace the transmission and it was $6,000, like, where's that extra $3,000 coming from? Well, I, I have a charge card for that particular purpose that gives me 0% mm. financing for 6 or 12 months. And it just allows me a little bit of breathing room to kind of take care of some things. So while I agree with you, we shouldn't have 13 cards and all mm -hmm. that. I think, again, if you have a certain plan, I have yeah. a plan for repairing my car, which includes an emergency fund, a, a car repair fund and 
a credit card for that thing in the event that mm-hmm. I need more repairs than I can afford at that moment. And see, so you've built the discipline around that, right? Very similar, dare I say, to like a cash envelope, right? That you've mm-hmm. you've allocated, you're using it as a tool, right? In anticipation of something maybe coming up. And so how do we handle that situation, right? And when we're using cash envelopes, we're not pulling out of one to, it's not robbing Peter to pay Paul, because we've built the discipline around using them. This is the the envelope for this item. This is no different what you're doing, right? That credit card, that that care card, right, is only for that purpose. And so you've built mm-hmm. that discipline around that and know you're not going to allow yourself to say, hmm, you know what? I've got this available. So um, it goes back to our plan, right? And looking and determining what is important to us and how we're going to use these tools to our advantage. And you know what? I, I love that. And I just want to say, I love these conversations, Nino, because we do things again, very complimentary in the way that, you know, we think, but we do things differently. And I love having my eyes opened and having you share the way that you do things and the way that you coach people, because it helps me to be better and to, to think of something a little bit different than what I have kind of had my blinders on to maybe in the past. Right. So thank you for, um, that's a great idea. That's a great idea for the yeah. car repair. I really like that. And I'll tell you, there's a side benefit that I w- while I would never encourage one of my clients to do the, to, to open up an account for car care credit for this purpose that I'm about to, uh, share. Um, it is a nice little added benefit if you need it as a tool like we've just outlined. And that mm-hmm. extra benefit is I was able to open up this line. It's another, I don't know, six, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 line that I'm not using the whole thing. And so when it's reported to the credit bureau, mm-hmm. it, it drives down my utilization rate. And so if you're not familiar, if you're kind of new to credit and you're wondering what the rules of credit are, what there there are five different factors that go into mm. calculating your credit score and the biggest one is payment history but the one right ne- right below that the next biggest factor is your utilization rate or another way to say that is the amount owed so if i have a $1000 credit card and i owe $1,000, my utilization rate is 100%. And that is bad. That's Mm. very, very bad. It's going to reflect very, very poorly in your credit score. Mm -hmm. But when you can have some established lines of credit, let's say it's $6,000. And let's say right now I only owe $2,000. Well, that's a third. So Mm -hmm. it's about 33.3333% of utilization and 30% is between 10 and 30% is kind of the sweet spot. They like Mm -hmm. to see that you use something. So even zero utilization is pretty bad. They like to see that Mm -hmm. you use something, but they don't want to see more than 30. They certainly don't want to see more than 50%. And if you're at 90 or a hundred percent utilization rate on a card, it is devastating your credit credit score. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking a lot about, you know, credit cards, but there are a lot of ways, right? That credit, it's not just credit cards. There are other Mm -hmm. areas that are factored into this as well. So, you know, all of this plays a part in, 
you know, how your, your score is figured. Um, and so it's not just credit cards. I think sometimes, you know, I might say sometimes that's the easiest way, um, in my opinion, to kind of get something going and to kind of build it up a little bit. Um, because I'm not really locking myself into, you know, a car payment that's, you know, factored in, you know, a mortgage of 30 years, you know, that mm -hmm. sometimes when I was building my credit, um, I actually, I, I never had a credit card until I met my husband. And even then it's the, the card we have, I'm just an authorized user. I've, I've actually never had a credit mm. card in my own name. Wow. So, um, just as a little side note there, but, um, you know, I can see how it does build up. Right. And I think that's why people go to credit cards most often because they think it's the quickest way and it's a tool that's readily available. And yeah. where I might agree, um, that it is readily available, just make sure again, that you're, you've got a plan for how you want to use it and what your purpose is with it. 100%. I think, um, it's important that you said that too, because, one of the five factors, one of the other five factors is a credit mix. So mm. part of your, your credit score is calculated on the different types of credit that you have. And so a credit card, if you're not already familiar, uh, not you, Sarah, but our listeners, um, <laughs> is revolving debt. So it's a revolving mm. line of credit, which just means that you can continue to borrow against it and pay it down to then borrow it against it again and pay it down. But that's only one type of credit. And so you have to have a credit mix and that means having installment loans. So that car payment, an auto loan or a mortgage or a student loan, or even a personal loan that's, you know, it's, it's a set amount of time, a set amount of payments, and you just make the same payment each and every time, but you can't then borrow against it again. Mm. Um, I mean, with the asterisks of, of course, a mortgage. I mean, we can, that's a whole different topic for a whole another day, but think about right. you're paying off your student loan. And as you're paying that balance down, it's not like you can then borrow against it again. So installment mm -hmm. loans are a second type of credit that adds to your credit mix. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love that we're going through this because it really, I don't think this, this information I don't feel is talked about a lot um, in the general, you know, in general communications in the general public. So I love that we're sharing this because you know what, I'm, I'm learning things as well. Right. And I'm not embarrassed to say that um, I've got a really great credit score um, and that's due to, you know, a lot of things. Um, but it's not, um, I don't know everything about it. I'm just being honest. I don't know everything yeah. about it. Um, and so I love having these conversations too, because I'm learning more and more as we go along and um, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this, this information is readily available. It's out there. You know, if you go to FICO.com, you can see the five factors of a FICO score right there. But just because it's out there doesn't mean people are necessarily talking mm. about it and having these conversations to really kind of inform and educate and, mm -hmm. and, and again, kind of creating a plan. Like if, if, if you have a plan 
let's say to buy a house in the next 12 months. Well, you better understand how credit works and how your credit score is affected because when you originally go and get maybe like pre-approved for a loan, your, mm-hmm. your credit might be one thing. And so maybe you got pre-approved and they're like, yep, you're pre-approved to spend up to $300,000. And now you start to go home shopping and, and you're looking. Well, if you open up a new line of credit of mm-hmm. any kind between that pre-approval and when you actually close on a house, you can completely destroy your opportunity to get that home because things like new credit are Mm -hmm. one of the five factors. And it's one of the five factors that actually, like as you establish new credit, your credit score goes down because they're depending on how many lines of credit you're opening Mm -hmm. and, and the time period, it, it's a it's a big red flag to creditors. Wait a minute. Why is Nino going out there and establishing three new lines of credit? Does he not make enough money to pay his bills? And so is he mm. using credit to supplement his income? It, it gets really wonky. So yeah. it's it's good to know what these factors are and how these factors impact your credit score, both positively and negatively. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the mortgage um, because I've talked, I've had several conversations with people lately saying uh, realtors are noticing that this is a thing lately, pre-approved, people are getting pre-approved and then they're going like, oh, I need new furniture. So they go to the local furniture store, right? And they're having all these crazy good deals and get this open up our store card, you know, no payments for six months. Mm -hmm. Well, what that's doing is, is now they're losing the the home, right? Because their credit scores changed. They've opened up a new line of credit while they were in the process of purchasing. So thank you for bringing that up. It's really important to mention, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it yeah. while you're in that process. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know and, and, and I, like I said, it goes, it, it, um, I circle back to, you have to understand the game and how it's played mm-hmm. so that, when you're engaged in this game, you're you're um, giving yourself the best chance of having a good, healthy, solid credit score. And and yeah, you know, as somebody who has family in the mortgage industry who underwrites mortgages, mm. this is something they are looking at all the time. What what they're looking at your credit throughout the entire process because they want to see if anything has mm-hmm. changed at all. And if it mm-hmm. does, it usually uh, jeopardizes uh, the ability to get that loan approved. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I want to take a second to, we've talked about a couple of the factors, but I want to take it just a moment here and actually like spell out the five factors that go into a credit score. And then we can kind of unpack them a little bit more. But for anybody who might be curious, like what are these five factors? The first factor in your credit score, and and it's going to have the biggest impact, is your payment history. So Mm. 35% of your credit score is calculated on your payment history. And so when you have good history, good payment history, it affects it very positively. And when you have a 30-day delinquency, a 60-day delinquency, 
a 90-day delinquency or mm. worse yet, a charge-off, which shows that you did not pay your payments on time or at all, that is going to impact your credit score very, very badly. It's 35% of the calculation is just your wow. payment history. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge percentage. And as I mentioned earlier, amount owed or your utilization rate is the very next biggest impact, and that's 30%. So 30% of your score is based on how much credit you have available to you and how much of that available credit you're using. So again, if you're using 67, 60, 70, 80, 90, or 100%, that is really, really bad. If you're mm -hmm. using 10, 20, or 30%, you are seen as a good credit risk because you know how to manage your credit lines effectively. The third factor is length of credit history. So 15% of your score is based on how long you've had credit. So earlier when I mentioned that I, I had closed 13 lines of credit all at one time, mm. this was back in about 2013, you know, so it's been nine years. So I've been able to reestablish some of that, but I mean, I, I closed all that out and that 15 plus years of history all kind of went to the wayside and I kind of had to start over. Um, mm -hmm. So credit length, length of your credit history is a big one. And then the last two are both 10% a piece. One of them is new credit established, mm -hmm. like I mentioned uh, a few moments ago. And the other 10% is the credit mix. So that goes back to revolving credit, installment credit. So those five factors, payment history, amount owed, length of credit history, credit mix, and new credit established. Once you know that those are the five things that affect your credit score, now you have a better understanding of how you might be able to play the game well mm -hmm. in order to improve your score. And, you know, when you were going through those, <clears throat> what I was piecing together in my head, just kind of going over, you know, two thirds of it, are on those two, those first two. Two-thirds of your credit score, payment history, and your utilization, right? And mm -hmm. so um, you want to make a difference in your credit score? Boy, get your payments made on time, right? And, and get those <laughs> and, balances paid down. And get those balances paid down. The, so the two quickest ways, right, that, that are going to make the biggest impact is to pay things on time and to get those balances down. Two thirds, you know, that's a, um, which if you're putting your plan together, it involves those two things, right? Making our payments when we're putting our budget together, making our payments on time and um, at least getting some debt paid off, you know, and, and maybe making some extra payments on it to get that, get the balances paid down. So you're right in alignment if you're following the plan and you're following all the steps that we talk about. Some of this is going to be happening happening naturally for you. And that's, I'm so glad you brought up that point because it, I'm a big believer that when you focus on the right things, 
everything else that people normally focus on just kind of take care of themselves. So when you are focusing on managing your money well with a budget and that budget focuses on your pay periods and it, it prioritizes things, then a byproduct is you're naturally going to improve your credit score because you're mm-hmm. focusing on the right thing and the other thing will automatically take care of itself. Yes. I love that. I love that. And, um, it makes things easier. Don't you think, Nino, that we're not trying to corral a bunch of different things if we're just focusing, if we bring our focus down, right, on what do I need to do? How can I um, do the right activities, right? Everything else just falls in line. So don't allow, and I've been guilty of this, of having this whole list of everything I need to work on and eek, narrow it down. What's the one thing that you can be doing, right, that that, um, is going to allow all the other good things to just be happening naturally. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Um, Focus on the one thing. Where do you need to start? Yep. And and I want to elaborate on that a little bit by saying, if your focus became improving your credit score, you're going to think, oh, I have to open up more lines. Mm. I have to utilize more of it. And you're going to focus on all the wrong things. And this goes back to my analogy about credit cards being a lot like Vegas. Vegas yeah. is is designed to win. Credit right. cards and, and creditors are designed to win. Mm-hmm. But... When, so don't focus on that. Don't focus on how many lines do I have open and focus on managing your money well, mm-hmm. telling your money what to do, and having some of those dollars allocated towards paying your stuff on time and paying your debts down. And you are naturally going to reap the benefit of yes. an improved credit score. You know, and um, I really like that. And sometimes, you know, Nino, I'm not sure if, if you do this, but what I generally, you know, I recommend a lot of times to clients to go in if they haven't pulled their full credit reports, you can go in once a year and pull them and not have to pay. Mm-hmm. So I recommend that people go in and pull them, you know, once a year. So from each of the, th- you know, three credit reporting agencies. So you know exactly what's showing up on there, right? You need to be aware of exactly because you know what, I'll, I'll there was a time where, um, the hospital sent me to collections. I had a hospital bill that I was making payments on. I had payment arrangements to the hospital and they still sent me to collections. I didn't know they sent me to collections. Mm-hmm. And I was working on refinancing my home. I was going through a divorce at the time and trying to refinance the home. And I'm sharing this because sometimes things happen. I didn't know I got sent to collections. Um, Maybe they sent information and it was lost in all the other, you know, divorce and refinance. I had a lot going on at the time, right? But because Mm -hmm. I pulled my credit reports, I was able to see that and then get it taken care of right away, right? And get that negative market, that collection. I called the collection agency. We got it straightened up and I actually had the money to pay it off, right? And so pull your credit reports so you know where you're at. You know where you're starting from. Um, if there's anything on there that needs to be addressed right away, you've got the information to be able to start tackling that. So you can write your plan and you know what your plan is involved or is, is covering, right? So pull your credit reports, know what's on there. Um, see how the, the agencies, what, what remarks and what notes they've got on all of these, because it's all there for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there's so many services nowadays that make getting access to mm -hmm. your full credit report and your credit score easier to do. So absolutely, you should mm -hmm. be peeking in on it. A lot of those services are free, so um, I don't think there's a need to necessarily have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, since none of them sponsor us, I'm not going to name any of them by name. But uh, <laughs> there, there are things out there that you can certainly get um, a look mm -hmm. at your credit score. And to your point, it is really important to uh, kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, even if you have one of these ID protection um, services, it's really just a good idea to have an eyeball on some of these things. I remember years and years and years ago, um, all of a sudden some medical bills showed up on my wife's credit report mm. and come to find out it was just somebody who had the same first name and her, her maiden name. And I don't know how they got her social security number versus the, uh, the other person or whatever, but we were able to call, get it all cleared off immediately. Mm. And so, um, but if, had we not been paying attention, it wouldn't have been until we went to get a mortgage on a house or whatever that we would have been made aware of it. And at that point, who knows how much time would have gone by right. and, and trying to rectify something that is much older. I don't know. I, I would, I don't want to assume that it would be harder, but a part of me thinks like, I'm just glad we caught it when we did. It was so fresh. It was, it was so easy to take care of. Sure. Well, and I think it's, it goes, you know, you're being a little bit more proactive, right? You're looking at your full credit report mm -hmm. to see, okay, what do I, where's my first area of focus, right? Is there something that, and, and again, identity things happen all the time. And so by pulling your credit report, you're actually, you can see if there's something on there that in, is in fact not yours, right? And you want to get that, you want to dispute that and get that taken off. Um, so be proactive, you know, go in and, and look at it um, and see where you're at. You know, this, I don't think this is um, off topic. We didn't talk about it, but I want to ask you with the new talk of taking medical, um, medical that, that's been sent to collections, taking it off of credit reporting agencies and off of your um, credit so it doesn't affect your credit score. Do you mind if I ask you how you think, um, do you think that's going to be a benefit? Do you think that, um, I don't know, just curious, this is a new thing. So not, um, you know, medical, not being a part of our, our credit scores anymore. Um, so I've seen a couple of those headlines, but I haven't really mm -hmm. seen um, an article that, uh, that I felt was like was really informative and, and so mm -hmm. I'm still kind of murky on all the details, but let's, let's sure. assume, or uh, let me kind of rephrase the question, see if I understand it and then I'll, I'll answer it. But sure. so it seems like there is some legislation being proposed that medical bills will no longer be reflective, reflected on the credit, your credit report, therefore impacting you negative, negatively. Mm -hmm. To which I say, um, if, if that's, if that's the proposal and if that went through, um, I, I, <laughs> it's such a deep question, such a big sure. question because sure. I think, I think because of the, the, the this is going to get really 
big really quickly. But <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean to sidetrack us. I just exist. thought I would. <laughs> yeah. But, so I'll try to make it as, as succinct as possible. But because mm -hmm. insurance companies exist, I think that means doctors and hospitals overcharge because they mm -hmm. know that the insurance company is going to be the one that pays for it. Mm -hmm. Then, so what you have is you have this artificially inflated cost to healthcare across mm -hmm. the board. Mm -hmm. So then people find themselves owing thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and even millions of dollars in medical debt that if if it was more of a free market and, and people were competing with each other like would the medical bills have been that in the first place probably not so should they be should people who had a medical incident happen and just didn't have the ability to pay a medical bill be um punished for that on their mm -hmm. credit report? No, I don't think they should. So I, I like it for those reasons. Mm -hmm. But the point I really want to make is they either get you coming or they get you going. So <laughs> even if it's not mm -hmm. on your credit report, what's going to happen is we're either all going to see a rise in our taxes. And so we're going to be paying more money to kind of float the bill for everybody or mm -hmm. just like if it's not affecting your credit score, it's going to affect your finances somewhere else. Right. Is, I guess the point I'm trying to drive home. You know, and I was curious what you thought of that, um, because I know it, it could get sidelined and I don't want to sideline it, but because we're talking about credit scores and that's the proposal, you know, and everything I've read, um, you know, and I think it needs to be reported somewhere because we need to be held accountable for paying our bills, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so and I've been sent to collections for medical bills. I just shared it, you know, two different times, honestly. Um, so um, I think it needs to be reported because we need to be accountable and we need to get it taken care of. I, I, I don't think we should be let off the hook. But do I believe that it needs to affect our credit? No, um, I don't. Because a lot of times those of us that have been sent to collections and maybe had a difficult time paying, those were necessary medical bills necessary medical things that we needed, right? And sometimes we're just in a mm -hmm. rough spot to be able to pay it off. So do I think it needs to, should affect our future so far down the road? No. So um, I was just curious. Um, I think it needs to be reported yeah. somewhere, but not necessarily on our credit reports and affect our credit score. So interesting. Yeah, because I think, I think here's, as you were saying that, it really made me think about what is the differentiator here? The differentiator mm -hmm. is, when when you open up a line of credit or you have a utility bill or you get a cell phone, you have agreed to a responsibility. Mm -hmm. When you get a medical procedure, although you might have agreed to getting the medical procedure, if it's not elective, yeah, you it's not like you said, hey, you know what? I just... Yeah, I want this $50,000 surgery just for S&Gs, and uh, then I'm not going to pay it. Like it, it, It's such a different mm -hmm. um, set of circumstances. Yes. Like, if I take a mortgage out on my house, and then I don't pay the mortgage, well, well hold up. Like You entered into an agreement. You knew what you were getting yourself into, mm -hmm. and you didn't, you didn't keep your part of the bargain, and so... In order to kind of forewarn other people like, hey, this person enters into agreements and then doesn't make good on them, mm -hmm. credit score 
Sure. But medical bills, those are such different circumstances. So I agree with you. Like I, I don't like them being on your credit report because it's not like you volunteered into this agreement. Mm -hmm. It, you know, unfortunately, usually life circumstances, uh, a horrific car accident or a horrific disease or something horrifying happened. And so we're just going to double down on you and make it more horrific by now holding you accountable Mm -hmm. and making you out to be, you know, some, some, uh, flake who doesn't pay their bills when it's like, Hey, I've paid everything else, but these things are killing me. Right. Right. No, I agree. And, and, um, again, you know, I don't want to sidetrack, but, uh, you know, it's a, and it's, it's a piece that I think a lot of people are talking about right now. Right. And so, because it does affect, you know, we're talking about credit scores and it, they currently do affect credit scores and the potential that in the future they might not. So I was just curious what you thought on that. Um, but you know, I think we can both agree that credit scores are necessary if we credit scores are necessary in this world that we live in now for about any, everything, everything we do. Our, our society has made it so that it is, you know, these are almost a necessity. So I, I, I like that we're breaking it down. We're talking about how to um, utilize credit wisely so that you can improve your credit score um, because it, it's kind of a necessary evil at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, get the information, was, right? And okay. um I was just going to say, getting the information, right? Learning about it, learning how you can use these tools to your advantage and put it together in your plan, right? And um, mm-hmm. that way, you know, you're being proactive with your life and your finances. How do you want this to work the best for you? Um, and it all starts with the plan. Yep. Yep. And I think uh, I I kind of want to make, um, I, I think it'll be my final point, but so there are plenty of individuals and plenty of big businesses that have adopted this idea of other people's money. You may have heard it as OPM, right? Other people's mm-hmm. money. And all that means is borrowing and leveraging so that um, if you don't have the cash right now, you can, you can acquire assets or, and, and other things. I guess now there's two points that I want to make is one, there is a place for other people's money. Mm. A mortgage is a perfect example, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to buy an asset, 300, 400, $500,000, and you don't have $500,000. So you use other people's money and you leverage so that you can acquire that asset today. I, I go back to when I bought my, my home in 2010, the, the, Purchase price was $119,000. I did not have $119,000, but I could afford the $850 mortgage every month to acquire the asset that now is worth $450,000. So... So that's the first point is there's a there's a place for OPM. There's a there's a place and a time for other people's money. The second mm-hmm. part of that point is when it's especially when it's used for assets. Yes. When you're trying to acquire a building, a a home, 
you know, things like cars and boats, no, because those are not really assets. Those are liabilities. They go down. But when you are using other people's money to try to acquire assets, there's a, there's a time and a place for that, for sure. And I appreciate you saying that um, <clears throat> because I think we need to understand the distinction between the two, right? And um, we're bombarded with those messages all the time, right? media, TV, you know, all this stuff just kind of throws it in our face. And sometimes it looks, it's enticing as it should be. That's what it's designed mm -hmm. to do. Right. But I appreciate you bringing that up and just bringing it to the forefront, forefront, reminding us that, you know, when you're looking at things as assets and liabilities and, and really what is the purpose here and what can you gain, um, assets grow and appreciate, you know, and appreciate and, uh, liabilities do not. And so how can you leverage it? So you're actually getting ahead and not putting yourself behind. Yeah. And I'm reminded that, um, when, when you think about other people's money, other people's, other people's money does come at a cost that's called interest. And one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest benefits to having a high, strong, healthy credit score mm -hmm. is that other people will loan you their money at much uh, smaller rates. And so I want to give another hard example of um, when you have poor credit versus when you have good credit. So when I was in my early 20s and I had horrible credit, just mostly from I didn't have a long credit history, I didn't have many established lines, mm -hmm. I traded in a... Uh, perfectly good car. Man, if I could turn back the, the time, I would not have done this, but I traded in a perfectly good car for a brand new car. And that brand new car, the sticker price was maybe twelve or $13,000. And because I did not have very good credit, <clears throat> excuse me, I was charged a 22% interest rate. And mm. so over the life of that loan, that $13,000 car costs me $22,000 with all the interest paid. So I paid, wow. what, $9,000 yeah. in interest? Fast forward a bunch of years later, maybe a couple of decades later, not decade, decade, decade and a half. Anyway, <laughs> um, fast forward, and after improving my credit score and, and doing things differently. In 2017, uh, we decided that we needed a larger family vehicle. And so I was doing the smarter thing at that point. I was looking at used instead of brand new. And I had the cash in the bank to pay for the car outright. But I knew that I was going to finance it first. Mm. And because some tricks of the trade, if you allow the the, you'll get a better sticker price on the car if you let them finance it, whatever. And if I have the cash, I can just pay it off next month and I, I don't pay any of the interest, right? So, right. but the purchase price ended up being about $15,000 and I got a 0.99 <laughs> interest rate. Wow. And if, if I would have held the loan for the full five years and paid it back, you want to take a guess at how much interest I would have paid over five years? 
Oh, um, a thousand bucks. One thousand seven hundred dollars hmm. over the course of five years versus nine <laughs> grand. That's so, crazy. Credit scores pretty important when you want to use other people's money. Yeah. Because it is going to make a significant difference in how much you have to pay to use other people's money. Yes. And, you know, my husband and I went through this a, a few months ago when we looked at buying our, our newer fifth wheel because we were cash buyers and they would not negotiate with us. They said, if you're financing, we will negotiate. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're crazy. And you know what? I chose to not play the game. I'm like, fine, I'll just pay cash because I want to be done with it. It annoyed me so much. But, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I just wanted to be done with it. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, like you said, you got to learn how to play the game. And, you know, had I um, circumstances, maybe if they were a little bit different at that time, we would have made a different choice because we did have the money to pay cash, obviously. Right. And so we, um, it just goes to show that knowledge is power in a lot of things. And, yeah. and it gives us options. When you have more knowledge, you have more options. And as long as you know all the rules and you know how to play, you can make some really smart moves along the way that I believe in the end are going to get you pretty darn close to winning. Yes, absolutely. Knowledge is power. And that's why I am just so thrilled that we sit down on a weekly basis to have these mm -hmm. conversations so that we can bring this, uh, this topic of personal finances to the forefront so that we can have these conversations. Um, I enjoy them each and every week. Um, I want to remind our listeners that if you're looking for tools to help you with anything that Sarah and I are discussing, if you need a plan, you need that plan to be based off of your pay periods, you need a plan for um, paying down and eliminating your debt, you can visit our website at newmoneyhabits.com. You can hit the helpful tools button, and we have a number of different tools that you can download and use uh, right there on the website. You can also schedule time with both Sarah and myself or you, you might not want both of us there at the same time, or you can <laughs> schedule time with Sarah or myself uh, by visiting the website and uh, scheduling uh, some time to talk with either one of us. Sarah, always a pleasure doing these, uh, these episodes with you. I know that we kind of covered a lot and we kind of went in a couple of different areas, but boy, do I think it was valuable. I agree. I, I, every episode that we do I you know I'm just amazed at um, just the knowledge um, you know that comes about and I feel better after them um, because I'm learning something as well every single episode I take away something a nugget you know a, an, an insight and I think that's valuable um, and so thank you for you know meeting with me and being here every week you know I, I appreciate that too um, because I'm learning a lot from you and I hope all of our listeners are learning a lot along the way. Um, and you know, share it with somebody else. You know, I'm going to say to all of our listeners, you know, if you're getting nuggets, 
share it. I'm, I'm going to put a shameless plug out, you know, share it with other people um, that you think could benefit from, from hearing some information because we're talking real world, real life topics and how they affect all of us every single day. And, and that's important and it's valuable. So um, just, you know, continuing the conversation. Yes, I agree. You definitely. Uh, I like the shameless plug. Uh, all of our <laughs> listeners out there, uh, share your share this episode on your favorite platform with all of your friends. Um, and you know, thank you for tuning in. And we always, as always, we look forward to continuing the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.